Permanent Deacon Talking, the second Sunday of Lent, Year B. Good morning and welcome to the second Sunday in Lent. The first reading is from Genesis, the sacrifice of Abraham, our father in faith. The second reading is St. Paul's letter to the Romans, God did not spare his own son. And the Gospel is from Mark, chapter 9. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. But let's begin with Psalm 115. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted even when I called out, I am sorely afflicted. Oh, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of His faithful. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. Your servant, Lord, I am your servant. You have given my freedom. A sacrifice I make to the Lord, I will call on the Lord's name. I will walk in the presence of the Lord, in the land of the living. I will walk in the presence of the Lord, in the land of the living. Before the of the temple, the promises I made to the Lord, I will gladly fulfill them. I will walk in the presence of the Lord, in the land of the living. I will walk in the presence of the Lord, in the land of the living. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain on their own by themselves. There, in their presence, he was transfigured. His clothes became brilliantly white, whiter than any earthly bleacher could make them. Elijah appeared to them with Moses and they were talking to Jesus. Then Peter spoke to Jesus. Rabbi, he said, it is wonderful for us to be here, so let us make three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. And a cloud came, covering them in shadow. And from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Then suddenly, when they looked round, they saw no one with them any more, but only Jesus. As they were coming down from the mountain, he warned them 
to tell no one what they had seen, until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They observed the warning faithfully, though among themselves they discussed what rising from the dead could mean. In a few weeks, the British news will be dominated by the budgets or the election. Already, the arguments for and against migrants' duty on spirits and the upper or lower tax limits are being put forward. The state of the economy and the lack of peace in the world is something that troubles most of us at the moment. And for some, it can be a great source of worry and concern. We're told that when people are worried and upset about many things, we run the risk of neglecting the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which Mark knows we truly need. He likes to use the scriptures and the traditions of the Jewish nation in order to explain the importance and special purposes of Jesus' words, actions and very presence. In chapter 1, on the very first line, Mark says, The beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We know that this is what he is trying to tell us. And the events recorded in the Transfiguration are another way for him to do this. One of Mark's favourite starting points is Isaiah. But today he looks back to Moses, who also went up a high mountain to meet with God, taking a special group of three. Jesus takes Peter, James and John. When Moses came down from the mountain, his face shone because of the encounter with God, so much that he had to wear a veil. So the transformation in Jesus is meant to tell us that a divine presence is being revealed to Peter, James and John. Must always remember, Mark is not giving us a geography or a history lesson, but a theological lesson. Mark wants us to keep looking forward, past the suffering in the present time, towards the triumphant future. His first readers were in great trouble from Nero in Rome, and needed to be careful living in the catacombs. They were constantly in danger. They, like us, needed to be reminded who Jesus really is. He's not just another prophet like Moses or Elijah. And so Peter is shown to be wrong in putting Jesus on equal terms with them in his clumsy tent speech. The core of today's Gospel is the concern for Peter, James and John, who were about to enter into Jesus' suffering. The same three would accompany him to the Garden of Gethsemane and would soon see Jesus suffering and dying in total disgrace. Much of the language used is almost dreamlike and reminiscent of other events, as we've mentioned, like Moses on Mount Sinai and the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan. So the transfiguration is on a mountain and at that point are they being given a preview of the resurrection? An event which lived in their hearts as a vision of what was to come but they still discussed among themselves what 
rising from the dead? What is it? What could it mean? Later, this would become the only meaning and purpose of their lives as they devoted themselves to spreading the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who had given them his triumphant vision of victory over sin and death. Because of our baptism, we're able to share in this experience. Pope Benedict, uh, he has been quoted in the past uh, saying, I suppose it's a long time ago now, before Pope Francis, Jesus himself is the kingdom. The kingdom is not a thing. It's not a geographical dominion like a worldly kingdom. It is a person. It is he. Perhaps knowing this, we can allow ourselves to become people of hope. Like Abraham, with trust and strength based on God's promise. Mark again tells us, to turn towards the face of Jesus with the plea, listen to him, coming from the cloud. The cloud has long been a symbol for God in the Old Testament. With hope, Lent moves us to consider others who are really suffering, and it ceases to be about the price of cigarettes, willpower over chocolates, or concentration on other worldly items. Some wonderful advice on this is given by Henry J. Newman, a Dutch-born Catholic priest and writer of over 40 books on the spiritual life. He taught at Harvard and Yale universities and later went to share his life with the mentally handicapped people at the large communities. In one of his books, The Wounded Healer, he states that only by entering into communion with human suffering can relief be found. Every Christian is constantly invited to overcome his neighbour's fear by entering into it with him and to find in the fellowship of suffering the way to freedom. Perhaps when items come up for discussion about the budgets, about uh, the election, about migrants, about whatever is on the news, we can Try to see them in the light of the Kingdom of God and how that promise is never going to disappear.
my being, oh the word of my Lord, you have been.